and welcome. This is UCC 98.3 FM. It's just after turning 3 p.m., which means it's Violence and Vibe time. It's Wednesday. Uh, I am AJ Whelan, and this is this show called Violence and Vibes. Every Wednesday from 3 to 4, I have a radio slot. I bring in vinyls, I mix it with Spotify, and we have a nice show. I put together some funky facts for you to listen to, and uh, honestly, we just have fun. So, get us straight into it. We have on the turntable, we have 1987, Appetite for Destruction. This is Guns N' Roses.
Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses there. Just an absolute, just so fun song to listen to. Uh, I was actually, right before I came in, I was setting up the vinyl, and I, I realised this is technically a double album. But on the other side, it's not, also not a double album, because uh, yes, there are two uh, vinyls, but they only use one half of the second vinyl, so technically it's two discs, yeah, but it's not really two discs. But on the back, on side, what would be side four, there's a really cool art that you can see if it rotates and put a light to it so I was uh, I was getting set up and I was looking at uh, the labels for the vinyl you have instead of being you know A, B or C or 1, 2, 3 you have uh, side G, side N and side R obviously for Guns and Roses and honestly that, I thought that was so cool and different and original and uh, it's in the back of side 4 because I, I haven't I just never checked the back of side 4 so when I saw the back of side 4 I was like oh this is so cool because it's just I know uh, there's a few something very similar came out on the Force Awakens uh, soundtrack vinyl. On one of the sides, if you if you rotate it and you put a light to it, you can actually see the Millennium Falcon, just like a little eight uh, bit kind of animation, and then it rotates on the spot if you shine light on the one on the one spot, and it's really really cool. Uh, but this does something very very similar. Now when you when it was rotating, it was kind of hard to see it, but if you stopped it and shine the light at a certain angle, you could see it was the Guns and Ro- Guns and Roses logo. And that's just so cool, and that's, you know, a one-up on Spotify, in my opinion. Uh, so, Sweet Child of Mine came off the Appetite for Destruction album, which came out in July of 1987. Now, this album officially hit number one on September 10th, 1988. So, well over a year later, it was then topping the charts. Uh, and over the summer of 1988, they were actually, Guns N' Roses were opening the tour for... Aerosmith. So they were on tour with Aerosmith, and there's a bit of a story there. But by the end of the tour, on September 15th, uh, they were kind of like that, that, the official day of September 15th, they were just bigger than Aerosmith. Because at the time, Aerosmith, Aerosmith might have a, a you know a bigger brand at the beginning. By the time Appetite for Destruction just took off, Aerosmith were just left in the sideline, left in their own dust. Because Aerosmith were kind of coming down from a bit from a high. Uh, and they were also big in big against drugs. Uh, at the beginning of the tour, Aerosmith set down very strict ground rules on drugs, so there was no drugs allowed anywhere around them uh, at at any time on the tour. So uh, it was a clean tour, and to that it went very very well. It was a very successful tour, but they wanted they didn't say no to the Guns N' Roses doing drugs because they felt that they had to make those mistakes themselves. But what they did do to do is they gave the Guns N' Roses Aerosmith gave Guns N' Roses a few T-shirts, uh, with like with Aerosmith, and on the back instead of there being tour dates and stuff, they had a list of rehabilitation centers, which I thought was some is absolutely some statement to give a band. Uh, you really you know, Guns Aerosmith has been through a lot. They were through the ringer, but. Instead of you know sitting them a band down and talking about drugs, they just gave him a T-shirt with a list of names of rehabilitation centers in America, and I just thought, whoa, that's a very effective way of getting it done. Uh, so anything else? So yeah, so the record industry of America in 2008 announced that the best-selling debut album of all time in the state was this album, Appetite for Destruction, which sold 18 million copies in its lifetime. 18 million copies and then the the what it topped off the its throne was with Boston with their album Boston which came out in 1974 uh, which sold 17 million records in a time which is just phenomenal stuff 
I'm going to play uh, Palace City next, but for now I'm going to go back to Spotify so I can switch the discs around. Uh, and this is a really, really fun and rock and roll song. This is Loser by Beck.
So that was Loser by Beck, which came out off the Mellow Gold album in 1984. Uh, if you're a Beck fan, or if you were introduced to Beck back in the 90s through this song on the radio, and then you went to a Beck concert, you'd be very surprised that the majority of Beck stuff would be uh, folk, blues, or a bit of punk. But this was very much a musical outlier in all senses. Uh, so this this music was uh, this song was climbing the charts around the time Kurt Cobain died in 1994. So. Uh, I think it was 1994, but this song came out in 1994 and it was climbing the charts. I think it got to top 20 in the States at one stage, or top 30. It got pretty high, and it's a very fun song. It's a very fun listen. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, because I was listening to uh, songs for the show yesterday, and this this one came on, and I was like, oh, yeah, cause I hadn't heard it in a while, and I just forgot it was it was out there. And then I was like, absolutely, that is going on my show. It's just so fun. It's upbeat. Uh... And there was actually Kurt, the Nirvana record label, uh, the Nirvana's label, I can't remember what it's called, uh, started selling uh, T-shirts with a loser on it. And uh, it, you know, it made a bit of money, made a bit of profit. But uh, Beck never really associated himself with the grunge scene, which is what Nirvana would be, because uh, his music is a bit different. Now, just once again, as I said, this is a musical outlier. But other than that, you know... It's a good song, like, it's so fun, I love it. I'm going to be listening to that all the way home today. It's constantly in my head. It finally uh, replaced the Jerry O'Flaher. What's his name? Oh, hang on. I'm going to scroll down there as far as I can. Oh. Uh, oh, no. I'm, I'm looking up. Ha! I was like, oh, my God. I've absolutely deleted all the songs on my uh, AJ Jukebox playlist. So, yeah. If you, know, if you like what you're hearing, everything is on a... Uh, uh, Spotify on a, on a playlist called AJ's Jukebox every song I've ever played on this show is on there there's a variety of, from Eminem to Phil Collins Tin Lizzy Bruce Springsteen Paul McCartney you have uh, Bob Dylan Chili Peppers Zeppelin Nick, Kren- Nick Crenshaw Nick Kershaw I can't remember how to pronounce the name Fleetwood Mac U2 John Lennon Elton John Travelling Wilburys Inhalers Strokes Blossoms B- Bowie Swift Taylor Swift that is yeah actually they played Taylor Swift that one time Clapton, Michael Jackson, Barry White, Bob Marley, everyone's on there. Uh, Daft Punk, The Drive, UCC Band, had a song come out today called Shoulders. I will play that in the future. The very good song. Uh, but the song I was on about was uh, Alone Again, Naturally, by Gilbert O'Sullivan. I played it last week. It has been in my head non-stop. And thankfully, Loser by Beck has replaced it. So, happy days. Uh, now, moving back to the turntable now, with this next song by uh, Bon Jovi. It's... Uh, one of the songs that you can't not sing along to. It's Living on a Prayer, from 1986, off the Slippery When Wet album. I don't have to say, I hope you enjoy it, because I know you do.
That was Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, which came out in 1980, what did I say, 86? Uh, on 1986, I was correct, of the Slippery When Wet album. So I'm just reading here, uh, John Bon Jovi himself wasn't pleased with this song. He actually didn't like the song in the beginning and didn't think it was strong enough to be on the, the album. The album's called Slippery When Wet. But it wasn't until they had a meeting with some teenagers that he was actually convinced otherwise. So this song almost, well, it probably would have come out eventually, but it almost didn't come out as early as it did. And honestly, it's a, it's just a banger. Like you, have, you can't sing around, you, have, you can't not sing along to it. It's like a, one of those chants in a, in a crowd when you had a match. It's just like one of those things that you have to sing along to it. It's just one of those songs. It's a brilliant song. It, it's a song that uh, comes right after uh, You Give Love a Bad Name on the same album, also by Bon Jovi, obviously. But looking there, Love on a Prayer, 1 billion streams. 1 billion and 63 million streams. So just over 1 billion streams. And that is just unbelievable. It is their biggest hit on Spotify by almost with over 30 million. Sorry, 300 million, my bad. The next big hit hit is uh, You Give Love a Bad Name, which is 756 million. And then after that, it's the song It's My Life, which came out in, uh, on the 2000 Crush album, uh, that which has 592 million. These are not small numbers at all. Bon Jovi is it's compl- it's so underrated, if I say anything. They have some brilliant stuff. But uh, even Bon Jovi himself has kind of described this album as a pop album. Because, you know, in the 80s, well, this would be 80s rock. It's very, very much 80s rock. It has that sound where it ha- you have the classic, uh, uh, you know, guitar and the raw and, and the amps. And the, I, I'm spoofing here. You have the, you know, live rock music sound. You have the electric bass and you have the uh, drums. And they're very much unaltered. But yeah, it opens with a 14 second long synth which is something you can really only get away with in the 80s. Like, you've opened a f- with a synth song, a synth sound today, just synth, synth, oh my God. You probably won't get away with it, but back then you absolutely could. Everyone was addicted to synths. And obviously, obviously as a music maker myself, I kind of, lo- I love a good synth. It's just, there's something about a synth that is just so, if I say, if I say the word synth one more time, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's driving myself mad. Uh, it's just, it works, the album just works, the song just works. But also, we're going to stay in the 80s. No, we're actually going to go 1978 to Bob Sager. I have. Ac- I was checking and I hadn't actually given Bob Sager a chance on this playlist yet. I haven't somehow haven't played this song. Now, Bob Sager was introduced to me uh, through GTA 5. <laughs> Over one of the lockdowns, it came out for like 5 euro. And on Los Santos Rock Radio, it had Bob Sager, had this song. Hollywood Nights, and it's just, here you go. She stood there bright as the sun on that California coast. He was a Midwestern boy on his own.
That was Hollywood Night by Bob Seger, which came out in 1978 on the Stranger in Town album. So, fun fact about that is the cover is taken on this this house he was renting uh, in Hollywood at the time. He's not from Hollywood. Bob Seger himself is actually from Michigan. So, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullets are from Michigan. He recorded a bit of the song in uh, Detroit, and then he finished the album in, uh, in LA itself. But, uh, yeah, so Stranger in Town makes sense because, you know, he's the stranger in town he's not from LA but he's there uh, and off the same album you also have a not off the same album sorry Bob Seger is also famous for his song Night Moves which came out in 76 on an album of the same name he's also famous for a song called Against the Wind but it's not as big hit as, as the other, other two actually Hollywood Night isn't that big a hit by looking at Spotify all time rock and roll is big hit biggest hit of 221 million uh, Night Moves next with 168 Against the Wind 68 again no, just 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 sixty eight, and then still, Hollywood Nights is fifth for forty eight million, which is mad because I think Hollywood Nights is his best song. No, Night Moves is undeniably brilliant, but I just think Hollywood Nights. There's something about it. When I was uh, competing in uh, in Taekwondo internationally, I would listen to this uh, and Purple Rain. Uh, so as I was going up on the mats, I would list, uh, listen to Purple Rain to get me psyched up, and then in between rounds. Uh, I'd listen to uh, this song. Just it just it keeps you riled up, and I just love. I absolutely love the drums on this. I just I always tap away to myself, even right there. I just tapping away mad. It's just it's just impossible not to mimic the drums and doing this song at all. This song is an unbelievable rock song, and it's very suits really suits our classic rock song theme for today. So moving back to the turntable, we have this beautiful song in my opinion, that came off of uh, the 1969 Let It Bleed album. Not Let It Be, Let It Bleed, which came out just bef- before the uh, the Beatles Let It Be album, which came out in 1970, but around the same time as the Beatles were recording the Let It Be documentary. So, but this song is Gimme Shelter, and it is, 
well, it's probably one of my most listened to songs of this year. I just love the airiness of it and it's like the stillness factor and then how it has such a powerful message. This is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones.
Give Me Shelter by the Rolling Stones there. Brilliant song. I, I listened to it all last year. I was feeling if you were all last year, all this year actually. Uh, actually, before I go any further, I did say that I would play the rest of that. Uh, I would play Paradise City. But I realised it that was six and a half minutes long and I have a lot of songs here that I'd like to play. So I'd love to get a good variety of songs to you rather than just, you know, two songs from the same album. Now, have I played two songs from the same album before? Almost religiously for the very beginning of this, this uh, show. Back in semester one of last year, I, I always bought in only a handful of vinyls and then I, uh, I found what I could between all of them. Uh, so yeah, I, sometimes I do play from the same album twice. And if I can, if it's really easy, like Michael Jackson had two songs in a row of his Off The Wall album that I just stopped it, talked, and then hit play again, which is perfect. So if I can do that, I absolutely will, because it just makes my life that little bit easier. Now, I also don't mind the shifting and changing between Spotify and vinyl, but if I can keep it all on vinyl, that's really the essence of this show. So it's good to have that, but I don't mind switching between Spotify, because I do not have billions of records at home. I don't have every single vinyl at home, uh, and I know that. I would love to have every vinyl ever at home. Now, that would take up a lot of space to say the least because there's you know remastered versions there's collection versions there's collaboration versions there's single versions so they would be literally probably probably fill, you could probably fill city hall with it like that, that just vinyls alone from like since the the 50s or 40s if you want to go back further uh you can even go back to the 30s if you want but that's just sound quality wise it's getting a bit shoddy and a bit very very old uh so that was 19 original 1969 let it bleed. I got it in uh, a shop called Skateboards and Cool Stuff, right next to Grattan Street on Shear Street. Very cool shop in there. They have some very, they have hundreds of vinyls in there, and it is. No, when I was in there, it was slim pickings. It was a lot of uh, very much all right stuff, but like mainly stuff that I had never even heard of before. I had never had heard of it before, like you know, folk singers or uh, folk singers, singers from the back ass of America in like the 70s who I would never really heard of or just low, very low musicians that never really made it but you know there was some diamonds in the rough and as I was leaving the shop I was hang on I actually haven't looked up to see what was on the because usually what the uh, some vinyl shops especially second hand stores put their best stuff on the wall like it happened it's it's, it's safe to say for most uh, like it's not second hand now but Golden just do it uh, I know Ray in music zone he put a lot of the good stuff on the wall uh, like box sets and stuff that are really cool i know in records and relics on lancaster key he definitely does it with some of his best stuff but then like it's all very arguable then because you could argue that uh oh i don't like that stuff that feels not good stuff but like the subjectively high selling records you would get on the wall like one time like when i was leaving the shop and skateboards uh, and cool stuff i looked up and there was let it bleed original 1969 in very good condition now you had a few crackles here and there but the album this album is 50, 53 years old you can you can allow it to have a few crackles here and there it's an all in all it's in brilliant condition so this album alone is older than both my parents so it's older than both my parents and it's playing here in 2022 on a radio show with microphones and tables that weren't even like they were obviously invented but they weren't really even like the current model, the current spec, the current sound quality, the current everything you have in here wasn't around when this was manufactured. Not even written, manufactured. And I just, I love that. I love the idea that out there somewhere, there's my next vinyl that I'm going to collect that's been around since the 60s. Uh, I haven't, I've yet to find an original Beatles, but like obviously an original Beatles is going to be very expensive and very hard to find. I do also have with me in, in the studio, I have an original 
that uh, that vinyl for Bon Jovi, the Slippery When Wet, which came out in '86. That's original. Uh, I have 1979 Rory Gallagher Top Priority. I'll, I'll be playing that next. That is uh, also original. Uh, I also have with me. I have Green Day. Uh, I have Guns N' Roses and Layla, uh, but they're not originals. But you know, nobody's perfect, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, but one time I was actually in Records and Relics and I looked up and I remember freezing for about maybe a minute and up on the wall there was Rory Gallagher Blueprint Original, okay? But it was signed. It was signed by Rory Gallagher himself. And the price tag said, justifiably, it said 150 quid. And at the time I didn't have the most money in the world. This was last summer and I just remember being so tempted I almost got it there and then, but I knew it was the it wasn't the right thing to do at all. Cause if I did that, I would have been goosed down the line, cause every money was going towards car. I had insurance coming up. I had to just like survive. So like I needed to not spend that 150 quid, and somehow I managed to do that. So I didn't actually get it. Now, am I destroyed that I didn't get it? Absolutely. I think any of flying away gala would have been a prize to my collection and my dad's collection definitely. We would have just cherished that. And it would be in here every week just to have it in here every week. Just so I could put it on the window with all the other vinyls right now on the window that I've listed. Uh, and then just people could just see it because it's so cool. It's like, it's like When an artist signs a vinyl, it's just, it just makes it so much cooler. You can't, like, technically you could sign, technically an artist because open Spotify, put on, I don't know, uh, BTS, this person that came ahead, and get one of them to sign it. Oh, you sign your phone. Yeah, but like this is different. This is that, that that's a stupid and it's a joke. But like this is different because this is a high copy of this album. It's only this album, and you have this, and it's only signed by if you want it to be signed by. And it's just, it's just so cool. And I'm honestly, it's just right now I'm ram- rambling and ranting because I'm, I'm I should have just bought that, but I didn't. Anyway, I came back. That was on a Thursday or Friday. I came back. I said to myself, if it's still here on the Monday, I'm going to get it. Because that means it's faith and they want it to be mine. But I went there Monday. I asked the man, oh, when when was it sold? Because it wasn't there when I got there. He said, oh, about half an hour ago. So it was almost faith that I bought it. But it's probably better off because the money would have been spent better somewhere else. I, I must admit begrudgingly. Uh, anyway, we're now going to back over to Spotify with a, a song. It's very hard. I haven't played the song yet somehow. And it's very wrong to not play this when I'm playing classic rock. This is the Eagles. This is 1976 Hotel California off an album of of the same name.
Hotel California by the Eagles there, which came out in 1976 and came to number one, went to number one in the charts. Uh, so that actually won in 1977. It won Record of the Year at the Grammys. But uh, Don Felder, who was probably the leader of the Eagles, didn't really, he said, didn't really believe in contests. So he didn't show up to accept the award. But they won it. They were actually, uh, they watched the ceremony in the middle of a rehearsal. Uh, at the time, Timothy Schmidt was joining the joining the band. He was just learning learning the repertoire, so they had uh, quote unquote work to do when it comes to uh, performing. But they won the record of the year for their album, and uh, deservedly so. Everyone knows uh, Hotel California. One point one five billion streams on uh, billion streams on Spotify. I would say so. Uh, the Eagles, they had a uh, one of the, their record. The uh, Eagles' greatest hits is one of the greatest, I think it's one of the highest selling, if not the highest selling album of all time. There's loads of different metrics when it comes to album sales, loads of them, but on one of them at least, it has their uh, Eagles Greatest Hits album as the most, the number one sold album of all time, the highest grossing album of all time, uh, which is mad because it's like, before that I knew my dad had on Spotify, on sorry, Apple Music back in the day, he had a... No, he had someone in a record collection, CD collection. Ah. In the CD collection somewhere, there's like Eagles Greatest Hits. And I'd never heard of them. But I have like, okay, here they're Greatest Hits. And I had some really bangers in there. Like Life in, Life in the Fast Lane, Take It Easy, Desperado. I had Desperado in here a few weeks ago. Or I should have done anyway. I got it on vinyl, original. Uh, and it's a brilliant song. Uh, really beautiful. I love the... The what's the word, orchestra behind it, it's just unbelievable, uh, but yeah, so, what else did I say about that, there was a, so the reason why, well, the reason Don Felder reckons why it does so good is because uh, there's no real story behind it, there's different stories, so people can make their own story from it, it's kind of just like, the artist makes the art, but you must interpret it what it is to you, and there's no right answer when it comes to what the art means. Because Hotel California is whatever you want it to be. Which I think is is like the pinnacle. Like, It's art. Art should be that. You make art. Art means this to you. But what does it mean to the guy next to you? Or the guy behind you? Or the guy in front of you? Or whoever's there? What does it mean to them? It can be. It can mean the same thing. Or it can mean something completely and utterly different. A bit like George Lucas with Star Wars. He's always tweaking. Like he has his own view on art. He's always going back to tweak the Star Wars. You know, just different versions with different, like, uh, like in A New Hope, the squeal, squeal that Ben Kenobi makes in the desert to go get rid of the Jawas is changed all the time. The the CGI has changed all the time. The, like the new, the more in when when the prequels were coming out, uh, he went back and did the original trilogy and he added some more CGI, more like cut scenes in between, and it just. There's a debate there. Can art be altered after it's already been published? Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. If, if you bump into me, ask me that. Because uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a debate that I like to have. Because I like to be able to go back and change stuff. Like Artists change their songs all the time live. Uh, I know back when, what's the name? What's your man's name that did? Uh, oh, what's his name? There was an artist. He did. Obviously, there's an artist. There's some oh my god, what's his name? In his state, he's a young rapper. He died. He had wishing well. Future? No, not future. Oh, I'll get back. To, I'll come back to it another day. He would perform extra verses live. Oh, he did once in some clip I saw. He performed an extra verse, that, extra verse that got uh, cut from the original song. Many t- oh, more often than not, companies will uh, 
cut songs just to save time. Uh, if it's a record theme, theme too long, it won't shout. A bit like in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody when they didn't want Bohemian Rhapsody to go out because it's way too long and people wouldn't be head-bopping it, head-bopping to it. And then cut to many years later when uh, Mike Myers is head-bopping to it in the studio. It's just in the in the car radio and it's on a TV show. It's just class. So uh, I completely lost my point there. But yeah, Hotel California, it is what you want it to mean. And whatever it means to you, it might not mean the same to the guy next year, but who cares? Uh, so I'm going to move on to my last song, probably. I'm going to talk briefly about it because I was opening it up there. And uh, I just remembered, on the inside, this is Roy Gallagher, Top Priority, which came out in 1979. And it's a very good album. It has, I'm going to play a bad penny off it. So this is an, this is an original. And on the inside, well, on the back, it has uh, Andy McHugh, Market Street, Swinford, County Mayo. County Mayo era. 24th of September 1979, £4.99, Sonic Sound Studio. So, Andy McHugh, wherever you are, if you're listening, I have your record from the 1979, uh, I have the 1979 record of Roy Geller and it is in safe hands. Uh, so I got this, my dad got this in uh, in records, in, in, I actually can't remember what shop he got it in, but obviously I didn't steal it off Andy, this is, uh, I, my dad acquired this somewhere. And on the inside, uh, on, the, on the vinyl holder piece, it has Rory Gallagher, top priority, number one guitarist in the world. And I completely agree with it. Now, of all time, I would change that to because uh, obviously Rory Gallagher is no longer with us. And I don't know about Annie McHugh. I'd love to meet him and show him this because this, uh, this would be... I imagine you get good crack if you sell your album after many, many years and then find out that it's, it's made its way all the, all the way on to college radio to some lad down in Cork. Uh, but I'm amazed. I was checking the AJ's jukebox there, and I somehow haven't played this. I've played Philby, which is also on this record, but it's not this one. So I'm gonna play now for you, uh, uh, Bad Penny, which is the first Roy Gallagher song I ever heard, and it's brilliant. This is Roy Gallagher, Bad Penny. I'm also gonna do my send off here. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope to. Hit I hope, you know, you listen and tune in next week if you are tuning in now. I have no idea who how many people are listening. It could be no one. It could be just my mom. It could be the entire world for all I know. But I don't care. I'm having fun. I hope you had fun too listening. And there's some cool stories and some cool facts. I put a lot of research and a lot of work into this show. And I really enjoy what I do. And I hope you enjoy what I do too. Because, you know, once again, art and the artist. Do you appreciate the art? No. But do you like what the artist is playing? Yeah. Am I the artist? Man, no. Uh, anyway, this has been Vinyls and Vibes on UCC 98.3 FM. I've been AJ Whelan. It is 3.56. It's four minutes to four on a Wednesday. The date is the 19th of October 2022. Thank you very much for listening. I will leave you on this masterpiece. This is Bad Penny by Roy Gallagher. <laughs>